Well, we'll we'll make sure to uh, bring you the update on the 2019 OCC Awards of the year. I just can't get over that this is a real website. I'm sure. I'm sure they what they mail. Uh, you know, they mail to Putin. Like, yeah, here you I, go, sir. Well, he actually probably might be proud of this. He he's like, I take your website. I win everything. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. You're listening to Flagship Episode Number One Hundred and Sixty Five. And I am well, very happy to say it's episode one sixty five. Flag, it's only flagship sixty two or sixty three. Oh yeah, yeah, good point, uh, Brent. You're listening to the one hundred sixty fifth episode of the Crypto Basic Podcast, and we have a very special guest appearance. You were just listening to my uh, co-host Brent Philbin very rudely interrupt me. However, MVP of the podcast, how are you doing today, Brent? Oh uh, yeah, I'm great. Being being interrupting, it's what I do. It's one of my favorite things. All right, but even more impressively, even though he's here with allergies, Michael Jordan style, playing with the flu in a game, <laughs> coming back, Adam Ruthless Levy. How you doing, brother? Doing good. And you actually said my last name right, which is like, I mean, well done. Oh, I'm thank glad you. to be on here. Yeah, man, this is exciting. So you were here how many times before? You've been on the show two or three times, right, Adam? Two times, yeah. One with you and one with Crypto Candor, but both with Brent. Well, hey, hey, hey. Brent doesn't miss shows. I mean, <laughs> is it Chubby Crypto or is it Brentity or I don't really know. Uh, it's, actually, it's actually Brentimus Philbimus. <laughs> that is the correct terminology there. Got it. Uh, nobody, speaking of which, nobody was listening. Nobody was calling me Chubby Crypto. So yeah, I switched to Brentity. <laughs> Brentity, that's the new one. That's my new crypto, uh, oh my, my new is, Twitter handle. Yeah, is that a Unity reference from Rick and Morty? What I did was I put my name in this thing called Namium, and it put like different endings on it, and I thought that one was cool, and it didn't exist in the Twitterverse yet, so I took it. Fantastic! <laughs> you should you, that, you can do that with like a DJ if you want your DJ name. You can go on a DJ, yeah, emulate or whatever you know, and it'll just come up with all these different names. Maybe you should try that out if you're looking for a new. Do you know what brand. your DJ name would be, Adam? Do you remember? I do not, but <sighs> I've thought of random names. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you get that list ready, let us know. Uh, Brent, I do have a question for you. What have we released and what's coming up? So this week, we revisited everyone's favorite sympathetic villain. We talked about XRP. And we did a little 102 revisit, went over things we got wrong, things we changed, would change next time, that kind of thing. So check it out if you want to learn more about Ripple. We, we decided... Since it got listed on Coinbase, it was time to talk about it. That came out on Wednesday. And then last week, we had a couple of interviews. Hold on. I'm sorry to interrupt. This is very important. My DJ name, I just put it into a generator, is (laughs) Dr. Fart. I just put my name in there. I'm not even joking. It says Dr. Fart. So, yeah, there you go. Dr. Fart in the building. As a quick side note, Adam, I'm going to need that link in the chat here for research purposes. Brent, continue. Nope, that's it. Uh, we had a couple interviews last week with uh, Luke Mokes from Brave, Brian Leon, William McKenzie talking about Substratum, and uh, I don't really know what's coming up. I haven't decided yet. So we uh, stay tuned. There will be an episode, pretty sure. I'll and tell also, you sorry exactly. about my echo back here. I'm in a little different location from my normal recording. There's a little sick brag. Where are you now, Brent? I'm uh, just in a common area of an apartment. <laughs> Nothing too exciting. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to be like, well, you know, today I'm recording from, you know, Malawi. So sorry about that. All right, guys. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Before we get into the meat and potatoes here, or the meat and veggies, depending on your preferences, it's time to 
take a second to let everybody know that they should go check out the Token Talks podcast. The Token Talks podcast is hosted by Zachary DeWitt. They are another crypto podcast that goes a lot deeper than we do. We scratch the surface. We keep it basic. They're a little bit more advanced. So if you find yourself getting annoyed when I don't know the answer to something because I didn't do my research, you can go check with them. And if they've covered the topic, they might know it a little bit more than me. Anyway, they are they have been our sponsors for a little while here. And they are a good source of information. We wouldn't be accepting them if they weren't. But it's important to know that they did compensate us for this because we are always upfront and honest about our compensations but check it out wing.vc slash podcast it's it's uh it's interesting it's hosted by zachary dewitt like i said they're and they're part of a venture capital firm that has invested in a lot of different startup companies so learn their story and check them all right so i know what's coming up next brent we want to get into some rapid fire stories these are the ones that we're not going to delve super deep into but headlines that caught our attention throughout the week and are worth mentioning so hit me up it's the rapid fire section all right so first adam threw this one in here and i've got a whole section on this so don't ask me any questions quadriga has been granted 45 more days to repay the funds via a court i have a bunch of questions yeah there's going to be a lot of questions don't hold those questions i promise there's a whole quadriga section but that was an interesting thing to throw out there the bitgrail ceo our, our Italian friend must repay $170 million. Dollars, not nano. So he is actually being charged in fiat for the price that the stuff was when he stole it, which has gone down like 95%. So I always see these threads and I'm like, it doesn't matter if you got scammed by this guy or not. If you held it, you lost the same amount of money. So, uh, yeah, it, I hope they get something from him. I don't know if they will. He's probably just doesn't have anything especially if he stole Nano and didn't trade it. But nice to see that they realized that it wasn't a hack and that he did steal it. So next up, since we talked about uh, Ripple this week, XRP and their fork, XLM, were approved by the Thailand SEC. Thailand SEC doesn't have a lot of coins that are approved. I think this is now that it's a total of Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, and XLM. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's all it is. They have specifically said no to Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum Classic, and I think one more that I can't remember off the top of my head. So that's kind of cool. The BitRail... Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) IOTA released a testnet without the coordinator on it. And in a very un-IOTA-like move, they have switched their developer chat to a Discord channel that is public. So all of their work is being done in front of people, which is which is definitely interesting. Obviously, they're going to have to signal and censor themselves a little bit, and they probably have another chat. I don't know, but that's pretty cool. One of the things, you know, we're not going to keep crapping all over them for that. And also, finally, last rapid-fire story here, Engine has released their software development kit for Unity, one of the biggest game development engines out there. They are not on Samsung, though. There were some rumors that they were going to be involved in the S10. I'm going to talk about that later in the episode. Not only is Engine not on it, but Anyway, still pretty cool that Engine released that SDK. I'm interested to see if they can make those in-game items available in your Engine wallet. Uh, okay, so first of all, you just reminded me, that was the episode you were in here for, wasn't it, Adam? Engine? Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Engine okay. 101. All right, fantastic. And second of all, I do want everybody to know my DJ name would be Breaker Shaker. So we can now... How do you get that one? 
I DJ Breaker Shaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just break some shakes, dude. No, That's so Kareem didn't interject any of those stories, which means he was refreshing until he got like the coolest DJ name. No, it was asking me a bunch of questions. I thought I just had to put in my name, and it was asking me, like, what animal would you be? I was like, what the fuck? You must have gotten a different one. <laughs> yeah, it was the top result. On, I was like, what is my DJ name? Since you didn't send the link no, per the research request. All right, all right. So let's move on to the stories. Brent, let's kick it off. You teased it at the beginning. We weren't allowed to ask questions. This might end up being the crypto story of the year. I believe we're talking about a Crypty Award winner. Let's get into this Quadriga story. Yeah, it's a little early to call it, but I feel like uh, Gerald Cotton here is going to very likely be the front runner for the biggest douche in the crypto universe, Crypty Award, when we give him out again next year. So, And it's weird. I, every week, I think we're going to be done talking about Quadriga CX for a while, but we're not. We're back. Here we are again. First of all, last week, Kraken offered a $100,000 reward to any information regarding the QCX situation that led to the discovery of funds. Uh, they also put out two full podcasts about it. Uh, their third and fourth episode of their podcast, they, their first and second episode were released like a month before that. It's combined like almost three hours worth of information. I didn't listen to it, so I don't know. But if you like long form podcasts, want to hear the cracking one, feel free to check it out. Links are in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> Who would listen to an entire hour just about guys yeah. talking crypto? Continue. No, <laughs> no. This is like the crypto version of Firefest. They're just trying to get, we all want to listen more and more about this. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. Interesting you bring that up because Firefest has been used as quite the analogy here at the Crypto Basic podcast for no other reason than we all saw the documentary, but it was pretty crazy. (laughs) And it's nice (laughs) to compare like some of these scammers to those guys. Yeah. It fucking worked. Like they actually got information. They found $600,000 worth of, or 600K Ethereum, not dollars worth, 600K Ethereum. Uh, which was roughly 90 to 100 million, depending on what the price of Ethereum is at the time that had been transferred to different exchanges. Uh, most of which was transferred to, to Bitfinex, but some of it was transferred to Kraken. So they put out a bounty and were like, Hey, can you guys find some information about this? And they had the coins the whole time. <laughs> no, but that's awesome that they were able to track it down. You know, my first reaction when you said 600K was actually to think that that wasn't the best return. Like, okay, they put up a hundred thousand to find 600,000. How often are they actually going to find it, you know? But once you change that to, no, 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 600,000 Ethereum, we're talking yeah. about 90 to $100 million. I would say that that was a worthwhile bounty. Yeah, yeah, they found. Now, there's some question as to whether these are actually just customer transfers or not. So they found them that they were directly related to Quadriga, but they don't know if they are. They need to do more research to figure out if they were actually the Quadriga exchange. So it's not like... Of the 180 million or whatever he got away with. I don't remember the number, but it's not like they found most of it. This is just like these six wallets definitely transferred to these exchanges. And we think there's a very good chance that it was Quadriga's money, but they're not sure yet. Right. Couldn't this be solved by emailing the six uh, wallets, sending them a message saying, please respond. We have an issue with your account. And whoever responds, <laughs> I can't. I'm dead. That's the account. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. That's the one. If if they say sorry, I passed away, then, then yeah. we, we definitely got them. Please contact my wife. She handles all. <laughs> Continue. So, so you so would think- sorry. I I just want to because I'm a little not behind on the Quadriga CX. I'm sure you've talked about it a lot. Just want to clarify. So basically, the guy died who was a CEO, and this was an exchange in Canada, correct? 
Correct. Oh, oh. <laughs> and and then like everyone, the internet started searching for him, making sure that he died. And it's like kind of yeah. So if he did die, and everyone's searching for him, like we're like not. It's like now we like we want confirmation. Hey, did your husband die or something? Which no, is kind of yeah. funny, but dude, Adam, he nothing definitely ends died. up. He a hundred percent did it. Well, I should say ninety nine point nine percent. Yeah, <laughs> he has his chance of death actually drastically increased. After he announced his death, that's what <laughs> really yeah. happened. But he no, went to like he supposedly died in in India, where apparently it's really easy to get a death certificate. Ridiculously easy to get a death certificate. He transferred all his assets over to his new wife, like right before he disappeared. He died on a charity mission, you know, like come on. of a disease that doesn't kill people, pretty much. <laughs> it, it, none of it adds up, and there's even more that I didn't get into. Where now there is a chance that he actually did die. They think that he might have been poisoned. Uh, so like, yeah, I didn't get into that rabbit hole because it was total rumor and total guess. So one of three things is true. And the most likely is that he faked his death. The second most likely is that somebody killed him and then they're releasing some other story for some reason. And then the third light, third most likely is that he actually died the way he said they they said he did, which is very low percentage chance. Like you can get a death certificate (laughs) for almost nothing in India. And he, he happened to be there for a humanitarian mission that he didn't need to be there for. And there's more to this story, which is even going to make it more clear. Uh, As a side note, too, usually if you go to another country and you die of a disease, you know, sometimes you still get a burial or people ask for your body from the hospital that you died at or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, there's that apparently his body was like delivered to a hotel and nobody ever saw it again. All this like Uh, it was cremated. It was crazy. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) the the, the story they're coming up with. But um, is the the cold wallet a dead body here? Continue. Sorry. (laughs) And it's not Paris this time. So the cold wallets that this guy had the keys to that is supposed to have all the money that like, oh, sorry, we can't get the money because the cold wallets are like he had the keys. They're empty. They're not like they finally figured out which ones they were. Now, we said that some money had moved. There were a total of six that they found. I think one of them had money moved and that was the accidental transfer or whatever. And the rest of them are empty. Zero. They were zeroed out before he went on his mission. And so, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> maybe they were just maybe he didn't even do this to steal the money maybe they were completely insolvent and he was just like all right whatever i can like fake my death or whatever and not have all these problems and and maybe i can like get my wife out of this who knows but uh they had never been audited before and when you say they you mean quadriga quadriga yeah had never been audited before some exchanges have been like uh like kraken for instance who has been doing a very good job of being like guys like we are doing it the right way like we we get audited all the time. Like our stuff is here. It's fine. And they were like, yeah, bounty on this. If you can find this, like we want people's money to get back. They're doing a very good job using this PR correctly. And they're going to do, there's going to be more PR in a little bit, but Quadrigo was never audited. And apparently this guy had literally told people, well, I don't really keep all the numbers on paper. A lot of it's in my head. And, uh, some of it is on like some spreadsheets and stuff. <laughs> and somebody I couldn't find that actual quote so I don't know if that's true but like it seemed like it was legitimate I don't know about that but if that's a, if that's the case and anybody ever said that to you you're just like wait what <laughs> like we keep track of the podcast finances which are negative and we do, we do it on a piece of paper in an accounting software so guess who else has never been audited before Quadriga oh I thought I was like gonna get it right <laughs> and uh guess where most of the Ethereum that they found earlier was sent? Quadriga. No, I know. I, I knew it was Bitcoin. 
from, from now on, anytime I ask for a guess of anything, it's gonna just be Quadriga. <laughs> so yeah, that's it, man. Like the, the money wasn't even there. Like this guy is, this is ridiculous. I, there is definitely going to be a documentary about this. I know we said that they had already started one. I don't know if it's going to be the only one, but you know, there, so, somebody's going to find this dude if he's not dead, which he probably isn't. I don't know that he can survive. Somebody's going to find him. Right. Yeah, have you seen both Firefox? Have you seen the Firefest docs? I only saw the one on Netflix. I didn't watch the Hulu one. All right. Well, they need a character like that older gent on. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's like, I don't want to spoil it, but also. All right. Yeah. I'll just stop. We'll move on. Yeah. The guy who really yet. needed the water so yeah. bad. You know, I yeah. hope there's someone, a character like that in the Quadriga doc. It'll really make it, you know, make it good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, and any any last updates or interesting rabbit holes you want to go down with this story, Brent? Or like, should we just wait till next week when a, something ridiculous it, happens? This whole story is a rabbit hole. I'm sure we're going to continue. One of the listeners said in the Discord, because we put Quadriga CX in the title again, he was like, oh, I thought like I was looking at <laughs> I was looking at last week's episode, but nope, it was a new one. So yeah, this is, we'll make sure to put it in the title again so everybody gets to see what's what's coming out make sure you put something else in the front so people don't think it's the same episode like like quadriga is like the second thing in the title or something even though we covered it first Mm -hmm. all right adam i want to move on to you because we're going to talk about gambling which we all yes yes gambling i i have gambled a few times in my life (laughs) (laughs) so i found this new bitcoin betting game called well, the company is called HXRO, all caps, which I guess is like a, you know, like, uh, gamers play, say, wrecked or, um, sorry, pwned or, or what's elite? You know, elite where they'll use a zero oh, or, I guess, yeah. So I guess the L3 3 Yeah. The X is supposed to be an E. Um, I'm not really oh, buying that. I don't know why. They just wanted to be <laughs> really, they wanted to, they're gamifying Bitcoin. But otherwise, it seems kind of cool. So basically, it's just simply uh, right now, all it is, is you can either bet on moon or you can bet on wrecked. And moon means <laughs> the coin is going up and wrecked means the coin is going down. And it's over five minute interval intervals of Bitcoin. Like, you know, so you're basically just you get these hero coins or imagine if you said it, how it actually sounds. Hex row. I don't even know. And you get to, you know, place wagers on what you think, you know, where it's going to go in those five minutes, which is interesting because then you start like looking at all these different exchanges or, you know, you're trying to figure out like what's going on. Maybe you'll find like some big clue where there's a big dump from like a hundred K Bitcoin or something. I don't know all of a sudden. And, um, you can then bet on the, on, you know, it, it being wrecked and. Also, the beta started January 1st, and it had 600 people initially that they kind of just reached out to. And it has now over 115K people on the waiting list. And they just (laughs) whitelisted, I think, 35K people. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy that this is so popular so far because it's simple, really simple. They're just gamifying, like, you know, the the market a bit. Are they tracking anything other than Bitcoin? Um, well, this is the thing. It's the beta. So they wanted to just, you know, you got to test some stuff, keep it very simple for a bit. And then uh, I assume at some point they're going to add more. Uh, I think they actually just received like 2 million in funding 
Oh, it was 500k pre-seed round, and they're going for another two million or something like that. Uh, yeah, they're currently raising two million for this round. So it's kind of wild that you know this is actually doing this well. It's a very simple concept, but sometimes like you know, CryptoKitties was pretty simple. Uh, I'm yeah. wondering if it can be expanded or if it can be you know like really interesting if it's decentralized. It's centralized. A lot of questions here, but obviously we need to. I mean, do a deeper dive to get those yeah I, what's weird is i feel like you i haven't actually used augers augers and you know the main net and, or since it's been active but i feel like you could just do that on auger anyways you know you it's just but not in five less of a fun yeah, right of, now, yeah this is more gamified like you said adam like it's uh you know they were making it a card from what i'm what i'm seeing here on the article you posted it's just like a card is flipping you don't get to see who's betting on which side but as the cards come up, you get to see who bet on both sides on previous cards. So it's got yeah. like a little bit of a roulette feel to it or whatever. Yeah, they're just kind of, and which is kind of cool. But also, if there's like an 11 year old on the internet, all of a sudden he's just now, you know, but I'm sure betting is just becoming more and more mainstream and you can do whatever you want. And there's going to be kids betting that probably shouldn't be betting. So that's just kind of another whole thing and whatever. And it's currently at eight cents. Uh, the token. So, and there's about 1.6 billion, uh, hero tokens in, in, uh, that exist. And, uh, yeah. So you can, you know, if you can get on, uh, you can pass the waiting list. You should, uh, try your hand at, uh, at this hero <laughs> coin. Gamble on the hex row coin. Yeah. yeah. Here comes, here comes ruthless hex GPL. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk about this though. It's not enough that we're, they're already gambling on Bitcoin, like to begin with, that it's like going to go up or down. They need yeah. to actually bet on it going up or down in five minute intervals as well. Yeah. But, people who bet on Bitcoin are called hodlers. <laughs> like that's basically, yeah. It's just not a yeah. five minute bet. Yeah. I guess yeah, that's this, pretty much it for that. This is designed to feed the degenerate and all of us. Uh, and then last thing I'm going to say too is it, it does say here that it would be proportional, right? So if you bet, that Bitcoin's going down and the majority of people bet with you. You guys are all, it's, it seems from what I'm looking at here that you're splitting the money that was bet on the other side. So if you bet the majority, uh, you're going to get less than one to one odds. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I forgot to mention that. Like every time it, it's kind of just like a normal betting <laughs> site. You know, if, if right. the Golden State Warriors win, keep winning, like they're not going to be exactly money. Exactly. You know, so if you're the only person out of a hundred people that bet that Bitcoin was going to go up, then you would get 99 times your money. But if 99 people bet that, it, that, but you know, if you're one of the 99 people that bet that it was going to go up, you're barely going to get your money back in a little bit. So you can't lock in your odds. It's like horse racing. Your odds fire when the bet fires. Correct. And you that's why I was saying that you can't see who's betting on each side until the cards release. So it's like a five minute card. You could see how many bets were on both sides of the previous draw. But you can't see who's betting on the current draw. You can only bet, and then I guess the smart contract takes care of the. More yeah. importantly, I did find out Brent's DJ name, and <laughs> it's arguably better than mine. Oh crap! Where did it go? Oh man, I'm blowing it. <laughs> he was so looking hard. that up in the middle of the story. He's like, "Yeah, this is a cool gambling well, thing. What is Brent's DJ name?" <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm very ADD. So here it is. You're Ponce to Jesus. Ponce to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So there if you, you guys collabed, you, know, I love you guys Jesus. would be called the uh, Jesus Farts. Yeah, Jesus Farts is pretty good. Not bad. Looking forward to your back next to album. back B2B Jesus Farts 
All right, Brent. So I, right, I want to move on to the next story here to keep us on track. I know it's dangerous to let you guys run loose. And you seem to be pretty angry at Coinbase. Uh, everything here is in all caps. I don't know if Donald Trump got to write some of this outline. It's all on caps. <laughs> Sad. It, it, Coinbase is scum. Sad. Coinbase is scum. Sad. So is this a witch hunt or is Coinbase really scum? Tell me. Well, I'll let you guys be the judge. I'm going to, I'm going to provide this information for you and you'll figure it out. Like you'll see okay. what you think about them. So okay, they acquired a company uh, or a team called Neutrino last week. And I'm not really sure what Neutrino does. There's some sort of security firm for blockchain or something, but the whole team had worked for a project called Hacking Team, which was a startup that specifically aided some really shady authoritarian governments. Like they were selling surveillance technologies to some real shady regimes. Some of the regimes that they helped out, Sudan, Bahrain, Venezuela, Morocco, Saudi Arabia, Kazakhstan, just to name a few of those there. Uh, Kareem, Kazakhstan being your home country is nice. The UN actually got involved with this hacking team thing. They put sanctions on them or well, not full-blown sanctions like they would do a country, but they, they basically said, you guys are selling weapons. And you're not allowed to sell weapons to the different countries that aren't allowed to get weapons sold to them, like Sudan. And hacking team was just like, we've never sold to Sudan, but the UN was worried that they would uh, use the surveillance system to target Darfur belligerents and cause a lot of death. Like that's how it would create, uh, be weaponized. So uh, after the UN got involved, the Italian government froze any ability to export outside of the European Union. And right after that, somebody hacked the hacking team's Twitter. And released a 400 gigabyte data dump, which WikiLeaks actually picked up and like retweeted and got some interest. This is in like 2015. Got some interesting stuff around it. The dealings with Sudan were confirmed in the data dump. They even have invoiced Lebanon in the data dump. So there were some things that people didn't know about that got put out there. Uh, <laughs> and, and how did the hacking team get hacked? Well, in the data dump, their passwords were in there and they were using passwords like password with a capital P and a four instead of an A. <laughs> and they also had Wolverine in, in all lowercase letters and Universo in all lowercase, lowercase letters as their like passwords. So <laughs> one of their team members released what you would expect, the standard response. Don't download that leak. It's a virus. And also it's not, it's not true. If Wait, you is it a virus it, or is it not true? <laughs> he said both. His name was Christian Posey. And then immediately after he said that, his Twitter got hacked. And they they took him down. So as of 2016, they were not allowed to sell their spyware outside of the European Union. But in 2015, they had 70 different clients on this. Um, in 2013, they actually won an award. They won one uh, Brent, of the sorry. five. I, I want to pause you real quick because what you have here seems like the opposite of what you just said. They were allowed to sell spyware within the EU, but they were no longer allowed to transact outside of the EU. Right? Yeah, they weren't allowed to export it. So okay. they, they still are, as far as I can tell, an active company that's selling stuff or they closed up shop and changed into Neutrino. <laughs> they, they won an award in 2013. The, their award was that they were one of the five corporate enemies of the internet. <laughs> so it's kind of like winning the biggest douche in the crypto versus crypty. And yeah, Coinbase hired the, the Neutrino team, which 100% of the team was all part of hacking team. So I don't know what their relationship was. If they just like changed into Neutrino or if they all like just started working with Neutrino, but the whole team got brought over. Coinbase actually released a statement saying that it was aware that Neutrino's co-founders previously worked at hacking team, which they reviewed as part of their security 
technical, and hiring diligence. Adding that Coinbase does not condone, nor will it defend the actions of hacking team, but it was important for Coinbase to bring this function in-house to fully control and protect our customers' data. And Neutrino's technology was the best we encountered in the space to achieve this goal. So basically, the community freaked out. Hashtag delete Coinbase was flying around the internet. And the team was like, guys, it's fine. They just have like good tech. You know, we don't really care who they are. And then a few days later, they fired everybody <laughs> because the pressure actually worked. So the, so Coinbase fired the entire Neutrino team because they acquired them. So I guess they acquired their tech also and they didn't need the team to run the tech anymore. So they fired all them and they kept just the board members on. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I can't believe that this would happen in corporate America. You're saying that in order to appease the public, they fired everybody who had nothing to do with the decision-making process and kept the three motherfuckers that got to run the company? (laughs) As far as I could tell, the board members might not have been part of Hacking Team. I think they might have hired the people from Hacking Team, but that they were not on Hacking Team. I couldn't confirm that, though. So... Anyway, is Coinbase scum? I don't, they, they definitely didn't do their research or did and didn't care, which makes them scum. And there's more to this Coinbase, you know, having some bad will. Like we've said good things about Coinbase because we feel like they're a pretty good on ramp for people who don't really know what is going on in crypto because they're super user friendly and stuff. But other people are catching up and there may be reasons why you don't want to use Coinbase. So whoever they were using instead of Neutrino. The people that they were hiring Neutrino to replace, they mentioned that those people were selling user data and that they wanted to stop that. So they were aware that these third-party companies were selling their user data, but I guess they were still sharing it with them because they had to. I don't really understand the inner workings there, but there was a quote plain as day from Christine Sadler or Sandler, uh, the head of sales at Coinbase. We are aware of the backgrounds of some of the folks that were involved in Neutrino, and we are looking into that. Is she clarified or, or wait, I, I picked the wrong, the wrong quote. Hold on. That quote had nothing to do with anything. It's Brent's first time on the podcast. So sorry. <laughs> oh, hey, yo. Hey, yo. Coming in with fire. And he's got allergies. All right, Brent. So anyway, she said very clearly, I, I don't know. I lost the quote. I copy pasted the wrong thing somehow. Uh, but she said very clearly that those people were sharing the data and they needed to replace them. I can't find the actual quote. I'm sorry. Live. Was, was it something like, did she later say, oh, I said would instead of wouldn't. Another Coinbase mem- member basically said that she misspoke and that's not what was going on. They said they're definitely not sharing any personally identifiable data with third party vendors. So I'm sure that personally identifiable data is some sort of like asterisk there where they can kind of share a little bit or whatever of like data that isn't technically personally identifying, but yeah. So it, it, which was against Coinbase's privacy policy. So people are pretty upset with Coinbase right now. You know, I'm still banned from Coinbase, so I don't really care, but <laughs> the, uh, we we're bringing you the news when we can. So think twice if you're using Coinbase and Coinbase pro plus they added XRP. Scumbags. Yeah. Okay. I feel I'll- like you just don't like Coinbase. Like you just have like a, a bias because you're banned. A personal vendetta. Personal, yeah, well, like, uh, I just and and didn't they ban you for being in a country that violated human rights? Brian, to make up your mind, which side of this argument do you want to <laughs> Hey, listen, the hacking team never had any dealings with uh, with Cuba, okay? You were giving money to Cuba tourism. I don't know. How could uh, you? Yeah. I, yeah. I see where you were going with that, Adam. Cuban people, Adam. That's the, that is the reason for my trip, yes. That, is, that was the reason for Kareem's trip, support of the Cuban people as well. 
Uh, you know, fair enough. You have to put a reason there, and that we we definitely supported some Cuban people while we were there. I'm not going to lie. Cuba <laughs> did look pretty cool in Fast and the Furious, like 29 or whatever it was. I yes, which one. we. Uh, if Cuba you watch is, that, that's where we stayed. Cuba is absolutely cool. It was very enjoyable, but more importantly, I want you to tell us about some of the worst investments that people have ever made, Adam. <laughs> oh well, the, yeah, there was a thread on Reddit that I found pretty interesting. Just simply worst investment that you've ever made and the top one is actually <laughs> oyster, something called oyster prl uh, maybe you guys know oh, about we it covered that on Hold the show on. It, it's even better because like the guy i mean yeah basically it says like new to crypto above it like so the guy is like you know you just wanted to get involved that's fair but it was a project with an anonymous ceo yep. and i mean i can't say that i'm an expert in this space but I do know that, you know, I got to know who is at least investing in it. Who's but, running it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. listen, we have Bruno all made Block, bad baby. investments. There are a lot of, there was a lot of smoke and mirrors, you know, especially late 2017, early 2018. You know, it was a, it was yep. a frenzy. Do you, do, are you familiar with the story of what happened with Oyster Pearl? No. All right. Some of the listeners may have heard this before. I'm going to do the quick version, but here's what happened. This guy was some anonymous dude called Bruno Blocks who created it. And people kept being like, dude, you, why are you anonymous? Like, we, we need to know about you. Also, there's this weird thing in the code that like shouldn't be there. And he's like, yeah, we need that to do these things. Just trust me. It's fine. And what that code did was allow him to basically restart the ICO and take as many and make as many coins as he wanted. So one day he did that. He restarted the ICO. He took all oh the coins. My. He went on to, I don't remember which exchange he did it on. I think it was KuCoin and dumped them on the market. Got a couple hundred thousand and then completely destroyed the entire project in like two hours. <laughs> wow. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I'm scrolling further and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, th- I'm actually kind of disappointed that, you know, a, a lot of people saying substratum or nano, but nano, I feel like is unfair because of what happened with that, uh, you know, the Italian guy. It was the Italian job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nano also is working fine and it's doing its job and there was never an ICO for it. So like, and Substratum has already said that they're not a scam. So I don't even know why that's on there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've had enough shows about Substratum. Fuck those guys. I will say that I have owned Verge for like two days. I've owned Tron. Uh, wait, and- I, I need to stop. I read something about Verge that is absolutely hilarious. So, you know how like they accidentally hard forked their own code a while back? They, sure. uh, they did. <laughs> they found out that their mining is fucked up and they have to now fork to a proof of stake coin because they can't fix their mining platform, which it looked like might have been directly related to the accidental hard fork. Oh my. <laughs> so they're still there. And that guy, Justin, is, from Florida. He's from Fort Myers. He uh is still completely screwing that coin up. So Yeah, yeah. but I mean okay, so to be fair, and I know it's gonna sound funny, to be fair to him, his main goal was to make sure he could pay his taxes on that second run of ICOs or whatever. True, and he was able to do true. that. So you gotta respect someone who can accomplish their goals. Now, was his goal for Verge to be a successful project? No. So congrats, Verge investors. All right. We're gonna there, move so on. So what are some of our worst yeah, investments? Oh, that's yeah, what that's I care point. about. That's a good point. Worst investments. Yeah. If you want, I can start us off. By all means, Brett. Bitcoin private. <laughs> I never invested in Bitcoin private. It was definitely, definitely my worst call of all time when I was doing it on the, on the podcast. Uh, as far as coins that I invested in, there was one called Deep Onion that like 
that I bought some of. It was supposed to be like the coin of the Tor browser or something like that. Thought it was a great idea and that went, you know, basically to zero. I don't know that it was a scam, but yeah, that, that one got crushed. Uh, I did one time buy, I bought something just because somebody told me to buy it. Oh, Tezos. I bought Tezos because our friend was like, yeah, go buy Tezos. And I just did it because I'm an idiot. And that went down. So those were, those were both horrible choices and a legacy investment that I did. That was a really bad idea. I bought some HMNY, which is Helios and Matheson, New York. And they are the parent company behind MoviePass. <laughs> I can't believe you invested in them while you were talking about how you were taking advantage of them because it was unsustainable as a consumer. Yes. What the fuck are you thinking? So, so when I invested in them is when like, I still thought they could pull it out. I'm like, they have so many users. When I invested in them, I invested in them at, uh, I don't remember the price, but it was right around when they did their reverse split because they were below a dollar. And if they stayed below a dollar for too long, they were going to get delisted on a bunch of exchanges. So they did a hundred to one reverse split. And by the end of the day that they did the reverse split, which means that now you would have a hundred dollars for every, you would have one for every hundred coins that you had or coins, uh, stocks that you had, the price was the same. So they like literally managed to go down like 99% in two days or something. And, wow. um, now they're at like one penny per share. So I currently have like six dollars worth of these shares. And their all-time high at this split situation was eight thousand five hundred dollars. Brent, I have a question. Wow. Is, there, is there a part of you that still thinks, "Well, I have six hundred shares. We could still turn this around." Yeah, I mean, I haven't <laughs> sold them. Well, I can't sell hey. them. So I had them on Robinhood, and Robinhood was like, "Yeah, these are getting delisted. Like, you still have them, but you can't like do any <laughs> trades." So. Um, I don't really know what happens if I go to sell them. I don't know. They're $6. So what, and to be honest, what I actually did with those was when I, when I went around and got all my friends and family to sign up with, uh, with Robinhood, I got like a hundred dollars worth of stocks total because you would get like $5 here, $5 there. And I took all those and put them into, uh, HMNY because I thought it was a moonshot and it was a terrible, terrible choice. And yes, I was taking advantage of movie pass when they finally, the one weekend they said you couldn't see Mission Impossible and, it was like out of nowhere. They were just like, yeah, you can't see this movie. You can see other movies, but you can't see this. So I went and bought, I went on the movie pass and said that I was going to go see some stupid musical and bought the ticket with the card because they don't know what ticket you're buying. And then they make you take a picture of the ticket afterwards. And I just didn't take a picture of it. <laughs> and I went and saw Mission Impossible. And then they were like, Hey, you need to take a picture next time. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. And then they like let me slide. And then the next week they, there was another movie that came out that they wouldn't let you see. And I went and saw that. And then I canceled my movie pass subscription. <laughs> And when you go to cancel, they say, hey, if you cancel, you're not going to be allowed to sign up for nine more months. Are you sure you want to cancel? Oh, <laughs> that's a so great scummy. consumer policy right there. Yeah. If we lose you as a customer, we won't take you back until we're definitely broke. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> you guys and, win. And now you basically can't see movies at all because because uh, my my uh, my friend business partner here, Colin, he had movie pass till he like, forgot that he had it. And we went to go see a movie. And it was like 1 p.m. on like a Thursday and he still couldn't see it. Like they, they, they had it in the app and then we press it. They're like, Oh, sorry. There's like this movie's full already. So I guess you, they're Adam? capping it. I can't really think. I mean, I, I can't really think of a specific, there's a lot of coins that, you know, you just have like kind of with the market. Everything has just been brutalized. So it's kind of like, you know, I believe like nano, I have a little bit of nano. I kind of think that it's a good coin. You know, I, I, it seems like they've, they've done decent 
a decent job of trying of actually like it's everyone is working towards a goal, but once the market yeah. just drops out, the bottom falls out, like everyone gets brutalized. I will say that my worst move was converting about 20 Litecoin to Neo and uh, at the peak when it was like Ooh. 180 Litecoin because they were on the down and uh, Neo was 120. And uh, yeah, I kind of just and then the market fell out and I just kind of never really switched it back and I got pretty wrecked. That's a bad trade, not a bad investment. But the I don't think Nano qualifies as a bad investment, actually. Obviously, like percentage wise, you got destroyed. As we all did, but it's not like it was a scam. Uh, like yeah. Helios and Matheson, they're basically like scamming people. Tezos went through that whole like governance issue, which was like super. I don't necessarily think Tezos is a scam either. I, when, what I read was that the dude, like some one of the guys on the board, was just like, "I'm holding your money." Yeah, and, it was yeah, it yeah. was the guy in the ran the um the, the foundation. foundation. Yeah. yeah. Which, hey, listen, to be fair, Cardano had a similar issue. Yeah. Maybe they were able to handle it a little bit more efficiently, but stuff like that is going to happen. Uh, I think I've told my story on the show, too. I bought a coin called SafeX. I just had some leftover after I bought my main investments, which were like Neo, Bitcoin, and Cardano. And I just had some random leftover money that I wanted to play around with. And I took a long shot and I barely did research. And it was total air, total crap. I think it was, the, was it SafeX or 10X? No, SafeX. 10X. Again, I don't really feel that bad about 10X because they just lost their partnership with Visa. I didn't feel oh, like yeah, that yeah. was, you know what I'm saying? Like they, ha- they even had a working product. I felt like they were the opposite of a, of a scam. Uh, but SafeX was for sure just me being uh, stupid with a little bit of leftover money that I had on the exchange accounts. And, uh, I think I've told everybody before, but I left it there just to remind myself what an idiot I was for like a year. <laughs> I was just like, you'll never ever buy a piece of crap like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anyway, I'd like to thank Adam for making us all relive our most painful memories. And now it's time for Bullish or Bullshit. Adam, if you haven't played before, Bullish or Bullshit is a game where I read you guys a headline and then you guys do your best to just analyze it and figure out if you think the headline is Bullish or Bullshit. And then I'll let you guys know which one it is. You guys ready? Yeah. All right, guys, for 17 points, 17 points on the line. Here we go. Thailand, SEC. Approves Bitcoin, bans Bitcoin Cash. Take bullish. It. Bullish. Philbin? Well, I ha- I know it's bullshit, even though I reported that they said no to Bitcoin Cash. They said no to Bitcoin Cash from a regulatory standpoint. They didn't ban it. Uh, like You can still use it in Thailand. Correct. Brent's using insider yeah, info. Yeah, insider information not- on that one. Yeah, actually, is- don't worry, Adam. It's okay. The fact that he's using insider information is actually going to make him look worse. Because that story further up in the rapid fire, I smiled a little bit when he was telling it because I was like, eh. So I'm going to reread it just to make Brent look bad. He wrote on here, XRP and XLM were approved by Thai SEC. Sort of true, sort of not true. I'm assuming that whoever got this headline got it from the same story. But here's the way it was presented on Reddit. Like I said, Thailand SEC bans Bitcoin Cash, approves Bitcoin. When you click on the article that they linked, it wasn't even an article about the Thai SEC. It was a little blog post that was technical analysis on Bitcoin Cash, first of all. And it was just talking about the price movements. And then there was like a little dot that said other news. And that's where it said, oh, Thailand approves this and this and this. So I went to go look for the actual statement from the Thai SEC. And all they were really saying is that... So Thailand has a list of coins that are approved for ICOs and base pairs specifically. Not for owning, not even for purchasing. It's just coins that you can use as a base pair and coins that you can use 
to buy ICO and distribute ICO funds. So they have a list that they're constantly updating. There were only seven item, seven coins on that list, and they happen to be uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum Classic, XRP, uh, XLM, uh, Stellar as well, and uh, I want to say Ethereum. And all that happened is they removed Bitcoin Cash, they removed uh, Ethereum Classic, and they also removed, I want to say, Litecoin was the other one that they removed. But this is the part that even in the SEC statement, I, I want to read this quote. Uh, so the latest update resulted in a total of four cryptocurrency for ICO investments. And at the end, they say the list update has no impact on investors or digital asset businesses because so far no ICO has been launched and the operating digital asset exchanges have never used Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum Classic or Litecoin as base trading. <laughs> so literally nothing happened, guys. That was the story that Damn. got turned into a technical analysis thing that then got turned into a story about. Bitcoin Cash being banned. It's even more bullshit than we thought. Like it's the, even more. <laughs> literally nothing. Brent, you, you just uh, capital, like that's literally media nowadays. It's even more bullshit than you thought. Go ahead, yeah, and we, we reported it earlier in the show, too. I think, do you think that there are these rumors? Is, I don't know. I guess I for a little bit, I was not following crypto or like a little more hands off. But recently, I've been a little more back into it. And with the engine wallet rumor and some other, you know, like the like stuff like this, do you think that we may have bottomed and it's kind of just like starting to ramp up again with rumors or is it just too? No idea. Yeah, exactly. I think we think, I think I can speak for Brent here as well. Nobody knows. We don't know if we've bottomed. Anybody that says we're a bottom is just going to change the bottom once we reach a new bottom. So it's a yeah. complete game. It's really hard to tell. We we have no clue. Are there new stories that could break that would take us to a new bottom? A hundred percent. Are there regulatory practices that could change that could bring us to a new bottom? Absolutely. Could there be hacks or exchange or bankruptcies that bring us to a new bottom? One hundred percent. And could tomorrow the price start mooning again? One hundred percent. Who knows? Mm. Nobody. Fair Nobody enough. knows the trouble our portfolio seen. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows the bottom. Okay, so <laughs> you guys ready to get a little international? Oh, is it time for crypto around the world? Yes. All right, so here comes crypto around the world. So, Adam, we are going to start crypto around the world with a country that has fantastic stake, Argentina. Yes. Uh, oh, Kareem's so home country. I thought it was Kazakhstan, Brent. Oh, damn it. Uh, yeah. So I guess Argentina is really committing to, uh, blockchain and just, uh, all the technology behind it. So I get they had a deal with the, the, the an agreement with Binance Labs that any Argentine blockchain project that receives funding from Binance Labs will get $50,000 American USD. From Argentina, so they're matching oh, up nice. to 50k of uh, investment, and that's that's just pretty cool. Also, apparently, you can fly it out if you really want, test it out. Uh, go to Argentina, and you can top up your uh, train cards with Bitcoin. I think that's already that that is already a functional thing you can do. So wow, yeah. What's weird though is Argentina haven't they gone through some wild inflation recently? It was overnight. It went up 
like like the inflation rate was like four Ooh. digits percent. I mean, I think I, you're being racist right now, Adam. Argentina you're thinking is about Venezuela, close to Venezuela. But no, look, no, no, Argentina no, 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 no. ends 2018 with the second highest inflation in Latin America. Adam was oh shit! Right. I'm being an, I'm being racist. Unbelievable! Is it is it racist? Yeah, I re-racist you. <laughs> Poker joke. Guys, really guys, work. guys, guys! You're all racist. Continue, Adam. Yes, uh, but but yeah. So re-racist. I think it's it, it's interesting that uh, Argentina is starting to commit to. Uh, to, to crypto in general. And I think they're, what are they, the second or third largest country or economy in, in, yeah. I would guess they're probably the second, absolutely, after Brazil. But that's also pretty big on Binance's part because Binance, to me, I just think of as a Southeast Asian company or, you know, like more of on that area. And this is Binance making a deal with another hemisphere. Or, you know, all the way in South America that they're trying to, you know, they're going out there trying to be a pretty huge company. You know, what's interesting, Adam, when you say that one of the things that we talked about a while ago in the show was that we felt blockchain adoption was going to be able to go faster than the Internet because the Internet already laid the infrastructure necessary. Right. So looking at a company like Binance, I agree with you. They started in Southeast Asia, but they're very quickly becoming a global company. And part of the reason they can do that is because A, crypto's everywhere, and B, because there's already all kinds of international and corporate uh, structures that allow companies to move around and create bases wherever. So you're seeing like a really rapid deployment from a company that didn't even exist a little bit ago to a company that's yeah, they're very not quickly, even three years old. Exactly. Yeah, and, crazy. and they're already, I mean, we know that they're investing also, wasn't it in a Cyprus, Brent, or maybe in, um, what's the? Malta. Malta. Yeah, in Malta. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Uh, so yeah, this is definitely interesting. I think here's a hot take. Binance is going to be a big deal. Wow. Wow. Kareem. This yep. is what we, this is what the listeners come to the crypto basic podcast for guys. Binance, big Arr, deal. Hard hitting analysis. All right. Are you guys ready for some drama? Oh, I want some drama. Mm-hmm. Why don't you yeah, give this, us some drama? Uh, we got right. some leaked transactions linked major banks to. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. No, this is, this is going to be good stuff. I promise it's going to get a little more interesting as we go in. I, I just saw this Holy. headline and I was like, oh, I'm going to get to like shit on banks for 10 minutes like I normally do. No, this is going to be even more interesting than just that. So this story starts. Brent kind of gave the title. The title of the story is leaked transactions link major banks to $8.8 billion money laundering scheme. So where does this come from? Well, there is a group called the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project. They're an independent nonprofit organization that I went to go look at their website and learn about them a little bit. And they seem totally legit that has been exposing corruption around the world for a long time. So here's where they start with this story. Recently, they published a set of financial transactions. It was 1.3 million transactions that collectively showed from 238,000 companies, a massive money laundering operation where money was being taken out of Russia, basically by Russian oligarchs, as we know that they operate, and being funneled into different parts of Europe, uh, the Americas, etc. Here's a quote from the uh, OCCRP director, Paul Radu. He said that among the counterparties on the transactions were major Western banks such as Citigroup, Raiffenstein, and Deutsche Bank. The dozens of companies in the system also generated $8.8 billion of internal transactions to obscure the origin of the cash. 
Now, originally, I wanted to bring up this story because, as we know, crypto always gets painted with the word of money laundering. Yeah, oh, crypto is uh, for money laundering. That's why crypto is bad. That's why we can't let it grow. When we already have the major players in the world, the Citigroups and the JP Morgans and the Deutsche Banks, like actively engaging in money laundering. And they've been caught multiple times for oligarchs, for dictators, for terrorists, for Mexican cartels. It's absolute insanity, but pretty hard to get justice here in our modern world. Let me go in a little deeper. So <laughs> the uh, the the report said that they reached out to Citigroup. Citigroup did not respond to requests for comment, of course. Yeah. Reifestein also declined to comment. But this is a good one. Deutsche Bank refused to comment for legal reasons. And they said that they had limited access to the information on the transactions in question. So it's not that they're not cooperating. They just don't have access to all the money laundering stuff. They don't keep <laughs> files on hand. <laughs> for legal reasons, we can't really see what you're talking about. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> so it ends up being called, if you guys want to Google it, of course, we're going to have the link in the show notes. If you want to check out the stories, uh, there's I'm going to link multiple stories related to this. But it was essentially called the Troika Laundromat. And the guy basically said it was the laundromat wasn't just a money laundering system. It was also a hidden investment vehicle, a slush fund, a tax evasion scheme, and much, much more. So that was the end of the original article. When I went to the website, there's been kind of an update, not an update on the story, but uh, another article where it says that one of the most interesting parts of this was this originally came to the authorities because a guy named Eric Robison, who was a lawyer, called the authorities to turn himself in. He called the authorities in Vienna and said, I've been used for money laundering and tax evasion has been part of this group. He gives them all the details and he explains how he got involved. Turns out he went to Russia, met a businessman who was like, hey, you know, it's just so hard to move money around. We need somebody who can help us. I'm sure they offered him a good amount of money. Long story short, this guy spends two years trying to expose the scheme. Finally, the authorities say, you know what? This is outside our jurisdiction. This has to do with foreigners. There's nothing we could do about it. And then two men kidnap this guy, ask for a ransom, Jesus. which they can't give. And then he's found dead in the woods. So... The only like the guy who started wow. this was assassinated apparently two years later in connection to this. And two Russian ex-police officers were, in fact, arrested in relation to his kidnapping, even though they weren't charged with this murder. So they are now in Viennese prison. But of course, the big names, the people who ordered this are fine. Right. So anyway, just shows how deep the story goes, how much the corruption goes. But I had a little fun bonus at the end, Brent. This is kind of like the awards you were talking about. It turns out that the OCCRP gives a corruption award every year. Kind of like the biggest douche in the universe award. They gave, nice, but for the world. <laughs> yeah, they gave a corrupt actor of the year award. So I just want to give you guys some notable winners. So in 2013, they gave it to the entire Romanian parliament. <laughs> Wait, for just a random side note. Have you ever seen the penalties where they're like, they call it on the entire team. They're like, false start, everyone but the center. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. feels like. Yeah, exactly. They're like, yeah, we can't pick just the whole. It's all gross. So in 2014, they gave it to Vladimir Putin. And I love this quote. Putin has been a finalist every year. So you might consider this a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> that was from his 2014. <laughs> in 2016, they gave it to Nicolas Maduro. That's the dictator in Venezuela. In 2017, they gave it to Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines. And in 2018, I'm going to read you guys the finalists. The runner-ups were Putin, again, the Hungarian <laughs> president, 
Mohammed bin Salman, who is the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, the guy that killed the journalist, and Donald Trump. That's not me. Hey, there we then. go. Finally. Yeah. yeah. How can you Jesus. not have him on that list? How are they not talking about the United States here? We win all the awards because we're the best <laughs> country in the world. So, but Jesus. the winner was not Donald Trump or Putin or Mohammed bin Salman. Three guys that I could totally see hanging out, by the way. But the winner was Danksebank, which is a Danish bank. And here's the quote. In the past 20 years, they've globalized organized crime and autocracy and helped everyone from Mexican drug cartels to Russian President Vladimir Putin to terrorists, terrorist autocrats and almost every single global threat. So congratulations, Danksebank. You're the biggest douche in the universe. Yes. That's the end of the story, guys. I think you guys will have to get the uh, acceptance speech or, you know, the presentation down a little mm-hmm. better. We'll work you on know, it a little ne- bit more. Next time, next time. Next year, 2020. 2000. So who do you think is the front runner for 2019, Kareem? Uh, who do I think is the front runner? Oh, man, that's really tough. Obviously, I live in the United States, so it's hard for me not to see all of the stories of corruption of the Trump presidency. Like you just see nepotism. You see outright corruption. His cabinet is a disaster. Every single cabinet member is embroiled in a corruption scandal. So like if I was just comparing internally, I would say it's Trump hands down. But coming from Colombia and also knowing what the rest of the world is like, is there a chance that there's plenty of people out there who are being way more corrupt? Absolutely. So I don't really know. There's a chance it would be Trump if he actually got indicted in some fashion. But what do you think about like maybe like Bolsonaro? Maybe. Absolutely. He's embroiled in a corruption scandal right now. Right. I don't know if you saw (laughs) the stories about people making fun of him at Carnival and him freaking out. No, I just was going based on like the past where he said like, I I just, the one thing that sticks out of my mind, all the stuff that people said about him is when he was getting interviewed by a reporter and they asked him about past sexual harassment or whatever. And he just looked at her and he was like, you're not pretty enough to rape. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah. But no, some people were protesting him at Carnival. So now he's anti-Carnival. What? Like, (laughs) how the hell does Brazil end up with an anti-Carnival president, right? Jesus. My Lord. All right. Anyway, well, we'll we'll make sure to uh, bring you the update on the 2019 OCCRP Awards of the year. I just can't get over that this is a real website. I'm sure. I'm sure they what they mail. Uh, you know, they mail to Putin. Like, yeah, Here you I, go, sir. Well, he actually probably might be proud of this. He he's like, I take your website. I win everything. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'm gonna transition us into this one because this was Adam's idea. He was like, you guys should have a section at the end called Shots Fired. Where mm. if you see like somebody throwing shade at somebody or clapping back in the crypto space, you need to put it in there. So we did. And he's got our first shots fired story. What we got. So basically it's the CEO, CEO of XRP then now publicly saying that they don't expect JP Morgan Chase's coin that they made right to do anything. Yeah. It's like, uh, I'm trying to look at the quote. Uh, yeah, it's like this guy from Morgan Stanley was interviewing me and I said, so is Morgan Stanley going to use the JPM coin? And he said, probably not. And then like, they were just like, the answer is, is no. I think that's the wrong quote. Damn, my bad guys. I got the uh, wrong quote earlier today. Too. Come on, it's Brent. Okay. I mean, yeah. Adam. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Here we go. He was like, uh, he thinks it's great to have minor, major financial players like JP Morgan leaning in. But then like shortly thereafter, he added, that's the only nice thing I'm going to say about this. So it's kind of funny that you got Ripple, who has already been completely been through the ringer as far as their own credibility, being uh, then questioning JP Morgan, which also 
what like less than maybe a little over a year ago they were like oh yeah we're not into that bitcoin stuff hmm. well since we're doing uh shots fired i don't know did you guys see the story about so there was a story on CoinGeek how Craig Wright won best paper at some conference and then oh somebody God. did a little research and it was a fake conference. It was a, it was the <laughs> ICICT conference and the price was actually just a voucher to buy ebooks. I'm not even kidding. And, wow. and then the website for the site claimed that professor, uh, Dan Bonin from Stanford, uh, was one of the technical program committee members that choose the thing. So one of the posters on Reddit emailed him to ask him, and he said that he had never heard of the conference. So they just straight up. Wow. So it makes sense that a conference like that would award Craig Wright best paper. Yeah. that's. I mean, that is uh, also pretty wild. Good old Craig Wright. I love when these, these crypto projects make up like fake magazine covers or fake conferences. Oh, it's it's amazing. I You know what? I want Craig Wright to be a part of the tri- crypto space for a long time. Wait. Sorry, last thing. On the website where they say that Dan Bone is uh, their, the professor, they misspell Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> when they're like listing out his name, he's like professor at Stanford, they misspell it. So That's amazing. I know we've talked about this before, guys. It's silly, but misspellings can really be a sign of just shoddy work or scams, right? Because they're just less serious. They're, yeah. they're not spending the editing presentation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that we want to attack the... The weakest part of somebody's argument with like, like, uh, online troll will do and just be like, Oh, you use the wrong your because you're typing on your phone and you didn't do it right. Yeah. So your argument's invalid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's not what I'm saying here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's fake Satoshi because of this. He's fake Satoshi for other reasons, mainly the fakeness. This is just, he's already fake Satoshi and he's just taking it to a new level. So my little shots fired section that I found was Jesse Powell, the CEO of Kraken. (laughs) <laughs> put put this tweet out. I asked our compliance team what they thought of Neutrino. I remember Neutrino from earlier in the episode. They're the guys, the hacking team. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, they just completed an evaluation. Neutrino came in last place out of the five, but it was disqualified even though it came in last place due to the risks. <laughs> and he posted their analytics on Neutrino. And in the analytics, in the like other section, they're like, these guys work for hacking team. We would never work with them. Like, he, he literally posted the internal document, blurred everything else out for all of their other research, but showed their research on this. And they're like, I don't, I don't know how Coinbase missed this. <laughs> so, so good news for Kraken this week, man. They got the hundred K bounty. It worked. They got the shit on Coinbase a little bit, dude. And they didn't miss it. Look at it. the last word of his tweet is there are other factors that are important, like costs and culture fit there that you don't end. <laughs> That by accident, yep. you're basically saying, oh, I guess you guys saw this. And you're like, that's our guys. Yep. Also, Jesse and... Powell. I mean, this isn't shots fired, but Jesse Powell, I think he plays magic. So, really? you know, I mean, I'm looking at it and but do you know, Vital, Vital, like Buterin tweeted a magic article the other day about. um <laughs> Yeah, sorry. This is like a complete side note because I went on Jesse Powell's Twitter. But yeah, um, I guess maybe that's next week's flagship because it was an interesting article. But yeah, no, he was tweeting about uh, magic and how he likes it's like he's talking about best deck, which is like a business and the current meta, which is the business environment. And all right, like and you get cash, you can upgrade your deck. I mean, if anybody's confused right now, Adam is not talking about traditional magic. And that's not a bunch of hocus pocus magic gathering. Yes. Sorry. Remember, you're listening to a bunch of nerds who love games. Yeah, it's a very good game. Uh, also, on a Kraken note, they've never been hacked, and they didn't hire me, so they do make good decisions. 
I, I had I went through a few well, rounds of They do of their due diligence. We established that. <laughs> yeah, I tried to I tried to work for them as a remote team member, and uh, yeah, they I think I, I think I went through four rounds of interviews, and then they're finally like, yeah, nah, we're good. So <laughs> they do make great decisions. Good job, guys. Good choice. And that's the end of that. All right, I got a little bit more to talk about. You know who else makes really good decisions though? Brent, especially when it comes to security. I know you have an interesting rant, and I want you to make this rant. Also, an educational process because I actually think we can learn a lot from yes. how you managed to save yourself here. Yep. I was hacked earlier this week. I was absolutely hacked by a hacker and they, the end result is they didn't get shit from me, but they did completely hack me. So I was, I was doing something in my phone. All of a sudden it said SIM card not working or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I restart the phone a bunch of times. Nothing fixes it. So I get on and I call support via a Google call. I just use one of my Google voice calls and I call them and they're like, Oh, well, your SIM card's not working because you just changed it. I'm like, the fuck? No, I didn't. And they're like, Oh my God. So somebody had changed over my SIM card and got control of my phone number for about 20, 30 minutes before I was able to, to fix it. And I find out later actually how they did this, which is interesting and it's going to have a cautionary tale in it. So I figured out that they got control of my phone number. I get back control of it. Right. I go, I go in and I look at my old texts and I see that they reset some passwords. Uh, they reset my password on Venmo, which was the only important thing. So they had gotten into my Venmo. They got into my Venmo for about five minutes before I was able to get them back out. So as I'm seeing the people who are the things that they're trying to reset the passwords to, I'm on my cell phone with one rep. I'm on Google voice, uh, with another rep. I'm literally going back and forth with the reps, like, making sure that they're mitigating the damage on my accounts because uh, Venmo is basically just 100% attached to your to your number. So if they get your number, they've got your Venmo. So mm-hmm. I'm getting that under control. And at the same time, I'm also furiously changing all of my passwords. Like, I don't know what, I don't know how they managed to get a hold of my phone number. I don't know which password it came from. And most of my passwords, 90%, 95% of my passwords are all completely random. Like you, if you break one, you can't break the others, but I don't know which one they broke yet. And, and I'm, I'm going through all this stuff trying to find it. So basically, I'm, it's the scene out of Swordfish. I'm Hugh Jackman. I'm going absolutely ballistic. I'm spinning around in circles with people on the phone. I'm like, yes. Amazing. And I'm catching it, catching it. At, at some point, I feel more or less secure. I've, I, um, I had two factor authentication on almost everything, but there was a way on some of the things that you could reset the two factor with my phone number. Even if I, you didn't have my Google authenticator. So I took that off as even an option. So that's not even a thing. You can't do that anymore. All in all, it was about 45 minute window where they could have done some damage. They did absolutely no damage. And this is why we say all the time, don't be the low hanging fruit because I know that 90% of my friends, if that thing had happened to them, they would have been cleaned out. They would have gotten everything and they got nothing from me. They didn't even get a $5 bill. Like they didn't even manage to transfer any funds, nothing. Like I was on top of it. I was catching it. And all the while I'm still freaking out. I'm like, what did I get fished? What happened? I'm checking all the different security databases. I'm seeing like some passwords that had been breached before, but they're like passwords for companies that I don't work for anymore or something like that, where they're shitty passwords. Anything that had a chance of being breached before I, I got rid of, but I knew my email address had been breached years ago, but I had changed the password. But here's what I missed. And this is why when you go through and you update your security, you need to take it seriously. You need to take it start to finish when you update your security. You can listen to our security 101 episode. That'll help. But really do your research. Get two-factor authentication on everything. 
it is no joke. Like if you have the two-factor authentication, it is damn near impossible to get your stuff. And if you're being specifically targeted by a hacker, there's nothing you can do. But if you are being targeted by groups and they're just moving on when it's difficult, that's where the two-factor authentication and all that stuff comes in to make it harder for them. So what happened was when I signed up for T-Mobile like 12, 13 years ago, I was still using an old email address, not actively, but I, for a period of time, when I first started using Gmail, I used to use an old AOL address to send basically anything that I thought might be spam. So anytime I signed up with a company that I didn't care to get emails from them, rather than going through and unsubscribing and stuff like that, I would give them my old email address. Since then, I had updated my T-Mobile address, but somehow that email address ended up getting breached in, it, it's like in 10 data breaches or something like that. And it was an email address that I hadn't thought about in years, years. And they got into that. They called up T-Mobile. And in order for T-Mobile to change your SIM card over, they have to send you an email to confirm to give you a code that says, yes, this is you. It's okay to change your SIM card. So they're like, oh, can you send it to my old email? And they said that. And they're like, sure, we have that on file. And they sent it to that wow. instead of the one that I have it set up to now. So that email they they hacked into and I was able to get back into it and then get them out of it. And then I just completely deleted it. So like that doesn't even exist anymore. Nobody can get into that email. It was AOL.com. Who knows what their security procedures are like? And yeah, I'm sure I'm going to run into a problem in the future, like where maybe something I haven't used in 10 years might still be attached to that email or whatever. I would say I averaged one login per year on that email, but that's how they got into me. So when you change all your passwords, don't leave anything out, especially old email addresses, but even other things. If you know you visited this site and made an account for it, change your password on that site because they can start to build your profile if they hack that site. They can learn maybe that site stores your security questions poorly and they can start to learn answers to your security questions or they can learn your addresses, your previous addresses, your current addresses, that kind of thing. Start to build a profile to where they can do what this person did in social engineer me when they call T-Mobile. So That is crazy. And definitely these phone companies have to step it up because this is not the first time I've heard about a hack that gets done through taking control of someone's phone number or getting yes. a text message sent to them with the code or whatever. Here's yeah. another couple of cautionary tales. If anybody, if you're ever sharing a password with somebody for whatever reason, don't send it via text message because what happened when that person got a hold of my text, they got all my history of all my text messages. So if you, anybody that I've sent a password to, now they're in a database. I always make people do it on WhatsApp or make them do it in a secret chat on Telegram because I know how important end-to-end -end encryption is. Text messages are stored in plain text. So there is no encryption there. Like it's easy to get. So don't ever send passwords via text messages. If your two-factor authentication can only be done via text message, I mean, it's better than nothing, but honestly, you want to do business with people that'll let you use Google Authenticator or something else. Authy is not a good choice because Authy is linked to your phone number. Any of the two factors that are linked to your phone number are vulnerable to this attack. This person got my phone number. They then therefore got access to anything with two-factor to my phone number. So yeah, and luckily I had some ability in place and I'm quick and I understood, but not everybody would have been in that position. So given a lot of these places will have protection, like if they had gotten $600 out of my Venmo account or something like that, I'm sure I would have gotten it back. It just would have taken a long time and it could have been a very big pain in the ass in the meantime. Absolutely. And it, and it eats up into your time and it's stressful and it's frustrating. And even though a lot of these companies will find ways sometimes to reimburse you, they're going to make it as painful as possible to, to get there, right? Because they also don't want yep. to get exploited by people who are doing it themselves. So congratulations, Brent. Uh, this is, you were the, the hero we needed in this situation. I'm glad it happened to you and not me. Yeah, apparently <laughs> it happened uh, maybe one, two, 
probably I think closer to two years ago with a few poker players and they just uh it was through T-Mobile and I think there was like a lot of money that was seized for a bit mm-hmm. and I think it eventually worked out but it's pretty you know you gotta you gotta be careful out there I remember in the instant messenger days uh somebody hacked Dfish's instant messenger account Daryl Fish and basically went on asking people for money and Fish had great credit with people like they knew he had money and they were giving it to him and he got a bunch of people's money just from getting there. It's a messenger. Like there's so many different attack vectors. Yep. You know, but password managers that are secure. I use Bitwarden. The Bitwarden login is an email that I've never put on anything ever in the history of mankind. Nobody knows that email except me. And so that password could never be reset by anybody except me because that email doesn't, it can't be hacked. It can't be put into a breach because it's never been put anywhere. And then using Bitwarden, Every password I generate is completely unique. And then every unique password also, I don't even use an algorithm. You know, it's, it's a, every password is 100% unique. If I don't have Bitwarden, I can't get into my stuff because I don't know that any of the passwords are any way to get them. Hmm. So anyway, nice try, well, I, you stupid nice scumbag try, hacker. hacker. <laughs> and I will say, Brent, uh, you'd be proud when I read about this story. I, I did add on my to-do list, make sure you have two FA on all your financial accounts. So. You've inspired me. I need, I'm pretty sure I nice. have around everything, but I'm going to go verify just because I want to be a little more like Brent. And then last rant of the episode, we are going oh, an hour and 20 minutes. Adam, you're coming into a length. My bad, one. guys. My bad. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. all the DJ, all the side, you know. We had to cut like two of Adam's stories also. He came with the fire. He's like, yeah, I got six stories plus an entire one-on-one on a coin. He, he had like a book with bookmarks and we're like, nah, we don't, we don't do that here, bro. <laughs> so, uh, Brent, I know you want to rant a little bit about the Samsung wallet. I'm assuming you're talking about the crypto wallet. What's going on here? Yep. So I just got my S10 plus last night, got here a little bit early. It's supposed Sick to be crack. released on the eighth, uh, which is actually when the show is going to be released, but we, uh, we record this on Thursday. So the, <laughs> I think we said the date wrong at the beginning of the episode. And I think about it anyway. The the phone got here. The number one thing I was excited about was I need to see how this crypto wallet works. I'm super excited. Get everything going. I get into the settings. There it is. It's uh it's in the settings. You, you've got your wallet. I go in there and I well first I looked for the app and I couldn't find the app. So I I was like okay well I'll check settings. It's in settings. I set up a brand new wallet. It gives me my seed words. I write them down. I put them with all my other seed words in my safe. And I'm like okay so which, which coins can I use? What is my wallet address? Nothing. It generated a seed phrase. I don't know what it's doing with that seed phrase, but it didn't even create a wallet. The seed phrase can be accessed at any time in settings. All I have to do is click on a button that says, show me my seed phrase. So if somebody gets my phone, like they can get those, they can get that with no problem. It doesn't even make me put in a password to check on my seed phrase or anything like that. I don't know how it's stored. I don't know if that's in like plain text or something that somebody could get easily in a hacking situation. I don't know. Also, not that it matters because it didn't generate a fucking wallet address. So I found it, the app is called the key store or whatever. And if you go to the app store, it's in the Samsung app store, not the Google Play store because it's the Samsung specific app. You go in there, it's grayed out and it can't be downloaded. It exists. It's settings are in your settings. Nothing works with it. So I don't know if that's going to change on release day. Maybe they like didn't set it up because I got my phone two days earlier or whatever. But yeah, right now the S10 crypto wallet that we were all excited about. And I said how excited I was, especially because of how good Samsung pay is complete shit. So don't get too excited about that. And the engine thing, it is clearly not engines backend, not even close. Cause I set up an engine wallet. Engine is good. 
Engine is taking forever to make those non-fungible tokens. Patreon members, those are coming. But the thing with Engine is that it's in their Samsung app store, I guess, not actually part of their framework at all. So I guess they've just put their seal of approval on it rather than get involved with the back end. So super disappointing. However, everything else about the phone is awesome. The fingerprint reader inside the phone is the nuts. So before you used to have to kind of like finger the back of the phone, like you were trying to find the G spot. And now you can just like put your finger on the, on the glass and it's perfect. Okay. G spot. All right. Um, no, like legit, like you had to reach behind the phone where the camera was and like play around with it there. All right. G spot. There All right, go. Brent, I don't know we don't have any mailbag, but do you want to give a quick little shout out here to our Patreon members? Uh, yeah, well, we we haven't had any new Patreon members this week, but I just want to remind everybody that Patreon is keeping us afloat. We've been super excited about it. We just added the ability as Patreon members, as soon as you are charged the first month or whatever, you get a non-fungible token that certifies via the engine blockchain with a little cute little picture that you are a supporter of Crypto Basic. So those are all going to go out. Uh, they, they each have five engine built into them. So if engine moons, you, you know, you can destroy your token if you want. I'm not going to give you another one, but, um, uh, we actually, like, we made them, but they haven't been sent to us yet. So at least I, at least they hadn't when I, uh, went to bed last night. So I don't want to pull up our wallet live on air, but the, you, you can see our public address. So you can see when they come if you're waiting for those. And then I'll send them to you and you'll have this cool little like business cardy style picture in there. Anyway, $1 an episode is literally keeping us afloat, keeping us uh, making these episodes and keeping the Patreon and the crypto basic alive. So we appreciate everything. Fantastic. And that is going to do it for this episode of the crypto basic podcast. Once again, I want to thank my co-host here today, Brent Philbin, Adam Levy. Thank you guys for joining me. and. Just as a reminder, please, if you want to join the conversation, hop on our Discord. We're there all the time. You can, well, Brent's there all the time. You can rate us on iTunes. <laughs> uh, you can follow Crypto Basic Brent on Reddit to see what Chubby Crypto is getting up to. And most importantly, don't forget, we are not financial advisors. Maybe critical thinking advisors, possibly, but unlicensed. So all investments have inherent risk. Don't do anything you can't afford to buy. And tune in next week.